Nicole here. Welcome back to Psych Minds Podcast. As you may have noticed, there are two mini-series going on over here. Our first series is called And Mental Health, where I discuss topics within the mental health and well-being field. And it's called End Mental Health because for every topic, that will be the title. So our first one was Journaling and Mental Health, and it'll go on from there. This series is going to get a little bit more technical. It's called End ABA. So this delves specifically into topics within the applied behavior analysis field. As I've said before, I am a board certified behavior analyst, a BCBA, and I've been working in this field for about 10 years. Although I've mainly worked with clients with autism, learning difficulties, challenging behaviors, ABA in itself can be applied to absolutely anyone and everyone. It is simply about behavior, which is something that we all engage in. This new episode, uh, Nonverbal Communication and ABA, will focus on how to communicate with your child if they cannot communicate vocally. So it's important to know that communication is so much broader than just speech. There are myriad ways that we can communicate that do not involve us using words, vocal words, that is. So I'd suggest checking out the PsychMinds resources page where you can get your free downloadable workbook, which pertains to this topic. It can be helpful to look at before you listen to this podcast, after, during, whatever suits you. It has a mini quiz in it, explains what I will be discussing, so you don't need to take notes. If you feel the need to, pretty much everything will be in the workbook. And it also has thought and action exercises for you to complete. All you have to do is sign up as a subscriber and you have access to the entire resource library. For now, get comfortable, sit back and take a listen. I hope you learned something new today. So in my practice, I've worked with many non-vocal clients. And just because they're not speaking, this does not affect their ability to learn. They can learn plenty. Some clients I've had can't say words, but they can use full, detailed, descriptive sentences when using speech-generating devices, which I'll get into more a bit later. So although they cannot vocally say something, they can say, while using their speech-generating device, something like, the red toy is under the table, or can I have a break now, please? Or even the big elephant is standing next to the small mouse. They can have conversations. So if you say, how are you? They can say, I'm fine. How are you? What's your name? My name is X. What is yours? So they can have full conversations when using a speech generating device, even if they're non-vocal. So some children I worked with started off using speech generating devices, sign language, alternate forms of communication. And later they didn't need them anymore as their vocals improved to the extent where other people could understand what they wanted and what they needed. But this trajectory is entirely individual and based on your child's personal development. So non-vocal communication. Basically, that's any form of communication aside from speech. It can be a child pointing to the food that they want to eat, or an adult using sign language in a conversation. It can be a toddler taking their parent's hand and guiding them to the play area, or even using an iPad to say, I want more. While vocal communication is the most straightforward type of communication to the parent, it may not be the most straightforward form to the child. So for whatever reason, whether it's something developmental, physical, it may be very difficult for your child to speak. So it's very important that if you can, to have a consultation with a speech and language pathologist. They can help you understand why your child is not speaking, 
But as a BCBA and within the field of ABA, we don't so much focus on the why they are not talking, but more on the how we can get them to communicate. So even if they are not vocal, they can still communicate their wants and needs with us. And it is our first and foremost duty to put a communication system in place if there isn't one already. So now we will get into some of the alternate communication systems that there are out there. So some alternatives that I have used regularly and successfully with my clients are picture exchange communication systems, which I will refer to as PECs from here on out, uh, speech generating devices, and sign language. So first, let's get into what PECs is. So with PECs, your child will use a binder full of pictures to communicate his or her wants and needs. So the child would take the picture of the item in the PECs book and hand it to you in exchange for the actual item. So they'll learn to correspond the pictures with the physical objects. It's important to put this communication system in place. If your child has good motor skills, so they can take, pick up, hand over small pictures, if they can discriminate between the pictures and make that correspondence between the picture and the actual item. When setting up this form of communication system, you will need several things. So you will need a small binder, a Velcro, a laminator and laminator sheets, a printer, and a camera. So you would take pictures of the objects, the places, people, food, activities that your child likes. You'd print them and laminate them and then Velcro them into the book. So while this may sound like a lot of effort, in the long run, you will save a lot of time and cut out a lot of tantrums through having a communication system in place. And it takes the guesswork out of what the child wants. So as parents, sometimes we think, oh, we know what the child wants. We know our kid, they want this, they want that. And then they end up having a tantrum because perhaps that's not what they wanted. So this takes the guesswork out. Once your child is familiar with the book, you no longer have to be guessing, oh, they might want this or that or the other. And also it's important to note that a common finding in many studies shows that once an individual has a communication system in place, challenging behavior reduces dramatically. So if you think about it, challenging behavior is just another form of communication. A child might have a meltdown in a toy store because they're communicating to you that they want a toy which you just told them they can't have. Perhaps your child throws food to get your attention. Again, it's another way of trying to communicate hey, excuse me, I'm here, I want attention. So basically our job to shape that challenging behavior into more appropriate communication forms. So once the system is in place, so you have your PECS book, um, you have all the necessary pictures, the next step is simply to practice, practice, and practice some more. So don't just give your child items that they want. If they're pointing, if they're screaming, do not just give them the item. It's important to prompt them to use the book and hand over the picture of the item to you. Once they've done that, you immediately give them the desired item. And, you know, at first you're probably going to have to help them do it. They're not going to understand. It's a totally new system. So the first few times you're going to have to help. And still, you should give them the item after you've helped them give you the picture. And you'd continue to do this until they get the idea of requesting for things using their book. And it's important to note that at first your child may be very resistant. Uh, this is something that's unfamiliar. They're used to just pointing or screaming and getting what they want, which to them is easier. This requires a bit more of a response effort to go to their book, take out the picture and give it to you. 
but it's important to persevere with this and continue with the process in order for them to understand, learn, and pick up this incredibly new, important skill. It would also be a good idea to get a shoulder strap for their textbook so that they can carry this around with them everywhere they go, because after all, this is their voice. So that's a bit about textbooks. Another form of alternative to communication, to vocal communication, is speech generating device. So there are many apps on your phone, iPad, and computer that have a voice output system, and these can be used as speech generating devices. The one that I have used the most and would recommend as my favorite speech generating device is Proloquo to Go. It's an app, you can download it, it's extremely easy to set up and to use. I have had a lot of success with this app. So it's similar to PEX, where you upload the images of the items, activity, people, places that you want to teach your child to request. Your child selects the image or the icon in Proloquo to Go, and then there's a voice output. So if the child selects candy, they select the icon, and then the iPad says candy. And when you're teaching it, it's very similar. They press candy, you'd give them the candy, you may have to prompt them at first, you may have to prompt them to hold the iPad, to navigate it, and to select the correct icon of the thing that they want. But it's the same thing, you just have to practice with them. And how to set it up? You just buy the software. Proloquo to go, I think it's actually a little bit expensive, but it's a one-time payment. You set it up within the app, so you would select the voice that you want to use. You can choose a child's voice, a boy, a girl, an adult, depending on who's going to be using it. You can choose the grid size. So do you want a lot of images to show up on one page, or would that be overwhelming to your child or to whoever is going to use it? So you can have just one or two items on the page at first. You select the language, and there's other options which you need to go through and set up according to what you want. Take pictures, upload them onto Proloquo, and you're good to go. The last alternative form of communication that we'll talk about here is sign language. Uh, I feel like most people are familiar with what sign language is. It is teaching your child to communicate using hand movements and gestures. So again, it's the same process. You have, you know, the items of what your child wants, and then you teach your child the hand gesture that goes with them. So when your child reaches for something, you block them from accessing it and prompt him or her to perform the correct sign. And the prompt that you use is going to be very much dependent on how your child learns. So will they learn by you simply modeling the prompt and then they copy it? Or do they find imitation difficult? If they find imitation difficult, you might have to physically manipulate their hand into the correct shape and practice from there. So those are three of the main forms of alternative communication systems that I have used in my practice, and all three of them have proven to be very successful in helping children communicate. Each system has its advantages and disadvantages. So with PECs and speech-generating devices, an obvious disadvantage is that the device or book needs to be carried around everywhere. So this can be quite cumbersome. Also, with speech-generating devices, an additional worry, an additional issue is the battery. Phones, iPads, you might need to carry an extra charger with you, so that adds to things that you're carrying. So this can get a bit cumbersome, and sign language obviously doesn't have that issue. You know, you're just using your hands. But then, on the flip side, you need to consider who is going to be understanding your child. 
if it's only you and maybe a few close family members who know sign language or have learnt sign language in order to teach your child sign language, the audience of who is going to understand your child is quite limited. Whereas with pecs and with speech generating devices, it's relatively obvious what your child wants and they can communicate with other people if they're showing them a picture or they're using the voice output system. So there's many things to take into consideration. It's also important if you have a speech and language pathologist or your child is part of a therapy team, it's important to get their recommendations and see what they think is a good option for your child. It's also important for you and the child what your preferences are. Perhaps if your child is very good with the iPad, excellent at navigating, they get it, then perhaps ProLoquo to go is a good option. So looking into what your child's skill level is, what their strengths are, the skills that they already have in their repertoire, these are very important considerations. If your child has very good fine motor movements, perhaps sign language is the option for him or her. So while there's a lot to take into consideration here, the most important thing to remember is that your child has a means of communicating. This is key to their development in all areas of their life. So while speech is great, it's important to remember that there are other options out there and not to limit your child if they find speech difficult and not to get so fixated on having them speak vocally and communicate vocally. It doesn't mean that you have to give up on speech altogether. Absolutely not. Even if they're using speech generating devices or PECs or sign language, continue with the vocals, continue to try and shape those vocal approximations whenever they use their PECs book. Say, repeat the name of the item that they are requesting, try and have them repeat it, or at least attempt to repeat it. So cookie, have them try and say k or oo, something like that. So there's no need to give up on speech, but it is important to put something in place for them to effectively communicate their wants and needs. There's nothing more frustrating than not being able to get your point across, not being able to say what it is that you want. So it's important to keep working on speech, but also have a communication system in place if their speech isn't understandable yet by majority of people. I'd highly suggest now that you go and check out the free downloadable workbook over on PsychMinds under the resources section if you haven't already. It's great to take a look through, do the quiz, do some of the thought and action exercises and see what comes up and what you think would be the best fit for your child when you're working with them. And as always, everything I've stated in this podcast is not prescriptive and just take what works for you and leave what doesn't. That being said, I'd love to know what you found helpful, what you incorporated, or what didn't work for you or your child. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to connecting with you in the next one.